Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. How we doing, everybody? We doing good? Good. Do you know that there's power in the blood of Jesus? Do you know that the devil stands no chance because of the power of the blood? And that blood is over us. Amen? Praise God. So, remember that. Anything that the enemy tries to manifest against you, you not only have the word, we also have the Holy Spirit in us, but we've got the blood on our doorposts. Amen? The doorposts of our minds, our ears, our eyes. And we thank God for that. Amen? So, I'm going to introduce a topic tonight that, uh, honestly, you're going to need to call up anybody that you know and make sure that they get here next week, because this is the topic that keeps uh, popping up in people's lives, keeps counselors, excuse me, keeps counselors' offices full. Uh, these are, the topic I'm going to talk about and introduce tonight is, is the, that thing that breaks up marriages, causes families to be divided, causes fortunes to be wasted, causes people to go to the grave early. We're talking about breaking bad cycles in people's lives, especially as it pertains to addiction. Amen? Amen. So I'm telling you ahead of time, please make sure that you contact at least two or three individuals after you hear what I have to share tonight. And make sure that they get here next Wednesday night. Okay? Uh, I, I usually teach something like this at least two or three times a year. Because this is the thing that keeps churches busy. And I don't mean busy in a good sense. I mean, these are, these, these are the things that, that are wrecking people's lives. Because the enemy who's been studying us for thousands of years has gotten a, a grip on how mankind operates, how we think and has used that and exploited that to keep people hooked into destructive lifestyles, okay? So, we're talking about breaking these reoccurring events, um, negative cycles of life, the phenomena that repeat themselves in the same order and the same time intervals. Now, when I was putting these notes together... And I always try to, even though I may be using similar scriptures that I've used in the past, I try to tweak them to where the Holy Spirit might have them now. And as I started to read through my notes, I started to think about the book of Judges. Now, I don't know how much you've been a student of the Old Testament. The book of Judges is a unique book because it's the first book where the people of God are free now from the slavery of Egypt, and, and they have gotten outwardly free, but we see that the cycles are going to start returning as soon as they get into their land. You remember now, Moses dies, Joshua is given the command now to bring the people into the promised land. So he's taking them, they're going to outwardly inhabit this new land that has been promised to them. Remember, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. Uh, Remember those symbols. It's a land that is prosperous, it's a land that is rich, it's a land that's productive, uh, God promised them over and over again from the time they were just slaves, and then he reminded them as they're going through the, the wilderness uh, on their way to uh, the promised land that it would be a land that drinks from the showers of heaven. Now, that might not mean much to us, especially after the past couple of weeks where it seems like, I think this morning we had about a few hours of sunshine and some blue skies. But when, you're, when you've been slaves for 400 years in a, in a land that is extremely arid, where the only water you're going to get is the water that you pump from the Nile River. And that's why if you look even, even today, most of the civilization, most of the population of Egypt lives right along the Nile River. Well, it was even more so constricted back then. And so what people would have to do is they would set up an irrigation system and you would have to have a slave or if you couldn't afford a slave, you had to do it yourself. Somebody had to stay there and pump continuously with a foot pump to make sure that that water came from the river to wherever your fields were. 
okay? So, so when God made that promise that this is a land that drinks from the showers of heaven, the first thing you would have thought or I would have thought being in that, in that context is, oh, so I don't need to pump the water here. This is a land that, that it receives a good amount of rain. It's, it's nourished from heaven, and so it's, it's going to be productive. However, once they get there, we start to see some of the similarities coming back in the personality traits that they had. For instance, Joshua dies. And I'm paraphrasing this because, you know, for, for the sake of time. Go read Judges, especially the first few chapters. Joshua dies, uh, and now God begins to raise up judges in the land. Okay? People that are going to be, they're not quite kings. They're not quite um, um, some of them are prophets, but for the most part, there are people of influence that are going to watch over, pray for, kind of direct the people of God. But what happens is you start to see a cycle. They come into the land. Everything's going good. They're thanking God. They get settled in the land, and all of a sudden, the neighbors start looking real, uh, real attractive to them. So they start, they begin to bring some of the influences of the pagan nations into their culture into their lives, and then we start seeing the downward spiral, okay? They begin to get attracted to the idolatry. They get attracted to even the sexual immorality of the nations that are around them, and so you see them go from this prosperous, blessed, grateful people worshiping God, living out God's plan for their life, and little by little, they come to this other end of the spectrum. Now they're in slavery. They are de- being defeated by their enemies. Their enemies are, are, are taking their, their produce, their products. You get into a story like Gideon. Okay, so then, so then what happens is it gets to the place where they just can't tolerate life anymore. And just like happens in the cycle of a person, in, even in today's, in, today in, our, in our own lives, when we get to that place where we're like full rock bottom, we end up turning back to God they repent, they cry out to the Lord. God sends a judge or God sends a deliverer. He, he, he leads the people back to God. They begin to come up on the upside of the cycle. Are you following me here? They begin to come up on the upside of the cycle again. They're enjoying the blessings of God. They're seeing God move in their lives. They're, they're, they're good. And then again, the complacency sets in. They lose their edge. They again start worshiping idols. They again start getting involved in sexual immorality. They again start getting involved in, in the cultures of the, of the lands. Of the, God warned them, don't get involved with these people. And we see the downward spiral all over again. The entire book of Judges is just like that. Okay? And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's, it's chronologically where it is. Because again, you remember when we were studying the book of Exodus. Uh, in the book of Exodus, the deliverance of, of, of the Israelites is very much like your deliverance and my deliverance out of the kingdom of darkness, coming into the kingdom of, of light, coming into the kingdom of God. You know, we come out of uh, Egypt, the darkness of this world. We come out from under Pharaoh, the taskmaster, the devil. And so now we start to start, we start to walk in the promises of God, the blessings of God in our promised land, which is God's plan for our life. And then what happens? Uh, we, 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 we start to prosper. We start to be in health. Our soul starts to prosper, but if we're not careful and if we're not alert, we begin to lose the edge again, and we get complacent, and then we start, the world starts looking good again, okay? And so, so Exodus always represents, symbolically represents our born-again experience. Uh, the Jordan River, the, the whole Jericho experience is symbolic of our baptism in the Holy Spirit, having received salvation. Our next step now is to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the infilling and the power of God upon our lives. And so just like they experienced that, where, where God defeated their enemies before their eyes, they get to the promised land and they start to get complacent. You and I need to be very careful that this doesn't happen. Now, I'll guarantee you this. I'm not, I'm not speaking specifically to speak negative words of our lives. But I think if the majority of us would be honest with ourselves, if you've been born again for any period of time, say three years, four years, five years, and up, you will be able to look back on your life and recognize times and, and seasons when you were right up there, God is the center and the focus of your life, 
you know, there's nothing else that satisfies you, and that season lasts for a while. But if you don't continue in the word, if you don't continue in, in getting together corporate with your brothers and sisters, if you don't continue in worship, whether it's private worship at home, your own personal worship, or worship together with your brothers and sisters, you begin to lose the edge, and the outside world begins to start looking good again. Yes or no? And those are the things we need, we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, how to break these cycles and how to avoid these pitfalls. Amen? Amen. So the sad thing is, and we don't want to see this happen in our lives, but every once in a while we see an illustration in an individual's life. The sad thing about the nation of Israel is that conduct continued for hundreds of years after they got into the promised land. Until it came to the point where we come to the time of Jeremiah the prophet, Ezekiel, the beginnings of the book of Isaiah, where God now begins to prophesy and begins to predict the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the thing that they thought was keeping them. That they could, they could go to the temple, they could still do their sacrifices, they could still pay their tithes, they can do... Well, you know, observe all the festivals, but they could still worship idols on the side. And so the sad thing, that goes on for hundreds of years until God then allows the Babylonians to come, destroy the walls of Jerusalem, destroy the temple. They're deported. And then from that point on, the interesting thing is, thank God, when they come back to the land, you do not see idolatry being a problem anymore. However, at that point, They've been reduced to a powerless nation from a, from a kingdom at its heights under David and Solomon. They're reduced to nothing. And how many times do we see that in a person's life? How many times do we see that in a person's life? Uh, we, we see an individual. Uh, it could be us. I could see times in my, in my past. Thank God it's many pasts. But where, you know, we see individuals, especially... Um, if you're involved in any kind of recovery process, you'll see individuals that uh, by the time they hit rock bottom, which usually is a lot lower rock bottom than you would normally think it is. How many have ever seen people and you say to them, my God, how many rock bottoms are they going to hit? And, and it seems like they discover a new level of rock bottom each time. And you say, well, this is it. This is it. This time they have to look up. And no, no, there's another basement underneath that one that nobody has discovered yet. And so then, so, so then you will see a person come back. They return to that relationship with the Lord that they had. And I don't mean that they lost their salvation. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about they return to a place where God is very real to them. Their relationship with Jesus is very much alive. They're receiving life from that relationship. It is strengthening them. And, you know, you, you think of like Psalm 29, 11, where the Lord gives his people strength and the Lord gives his people peace. And so you come back to that place. However, some people never recover in the natural. Now, we need, to, we, need to, we need to be honest about that. Some people never recover what they lost, naturally speaking, and even materially. Sometimes it's a loss of family. And, and I take no pleasure talking about these things, but, but we have to face some facts. Israel, by the time they finally allowed God to deal with them about idolatry, never come back to the status and to the, to the place that they were under Solomon. And so um, eventually, excuse me, let me just take a drink here. Eventually, it opens them up to the place where they're just conquered over and over again. And then eventually, we come to the period of the Gospels and the early church. And then because they went from idolatry of pagan idols to the idolatry of their own religion, where they were counting on their rituals and counting on their observance of the law and counting on very legalistic approach to a relationship with God, which really was no relationship with God. It was a relationship with rules. Um, eventually, then, the nation is destroyed and dispersed. And it took almost 2,000 years for them to come back to the land. Okay, understand this, okay? Israel, the history of Israel is given to us. Paul writes about this to the Corinthians, that the history of the nation of Israel, the Israelites, is given unto us so that we can learn from their mistakes. 
okay? Especially in that, that whole Exodus story where they, they did not mix anything they saw with faith. And because they were faithless towards God, they suffered all these calamities. Amen? Amen. So, um, sometimes, let, let me, I want to spend a couple of minutes here. Uh, I assume you're here Wednesday night, not because you didn't have anything to do, but that you're hungry for the word. Amen. And you're hungry to see change and see transformation in life. Okay, I want us to consider this tonight. Sometimes when we need a breakthrough, okay, God will give us a threshold. Now, what is a threshold? A, a threshold is a line of demarcation that marks when you're going from one, one room to the other. If you, you know, later on when we're dismissed, you're going to walk out of this room. Now, whether you go through that door or this door, you're going to cross over a threshold. That tells you that you went from one room into another, one part of the building into another. Okay, so it's, 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 a, it's a geographic um, demarcation line that you can point to and say, okay, on the other side of this line, I was in the sanctuary. Now I'm in the hallway. And then you continue that way and you cross over another threshold. And then you say, I'm in the lobby now, okay? I know this sounds very childish and simplistic, but I want you to understand something. There are times when, when we need a breakthrough, God gives us a threshold. Now, a threshold can be painful sometimes. A threshold can be scary, but a threshold serves this purpose. You can always point to it and say, on the other side of the threshold was one way of living. On this side of the threshold is another way of living. The Babylonian captivity that I spoke about was one of those threshold experiences. Because the, even today, the Jewish calendar is broken up to, in, in, in segments of events. Okay? We have the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, we have Abraham's life story up until um, Joseph's time. Okay? Joseph's time. Joseph's, I'm not talking about Joseph, Jesus' stepfather. I'm talking about Joseph in the Old Testament. Was a threshold experience. Okay, the nation of Israel suffers a famine, a drought. And so that was the um, motivation and the incentive for Jacob and his family to pull, pull up stakes and go to Egypt. And it was that incident that led to the reunification of that family and the revelation that Joseph is still alive. Now, Joseph cares for his family, and they, they end up staying now in Egypt for 400 some places, it tells you 400, some places 430 years, okay? When they come out, they're different people than they were before they went to Egypt. So, so that time period is a threshold experience. Are you catching this? Yes. Okay? Um, you're, I, I would venture to say that for the majority of us in this room, your born-again experience was a threshold experience. You can, I can point back to April the 25th, 1984, at 9.30 at night on a Wednesday and say, that was my threshold experience. Joe Source's life was one way before April the 25th that night, and it was another way since then, okay? Threshold experiences. Um, all throughout the history in the Bible, we see these threshold experiences, okay? Uh, the book of Malachi is written, and then it's another 400 years before another prophet hears from God and begins to speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 400 years. That's almost twice the history of this nation of a people having never heard anything fresh from God. And then John the Baptist shows up on the scene. What is that? A threshold experience. Are you catching this? Okay. Now, Jesus goes to the cross. It is finished. We have another threshold experience. Why? Because now the kingdom of God manifests itself on the earth differently than it did before the cross. Are you catching this? So I want you to see this. The threshold experience, although they could be traumatic at times, they are very beneficial to all of us. Amen? 
Okay, so how does this apply in our lives? Well, even though God does, is not the author uh, of, of chaos in our lives, and he's certainly not the author of destruction in our lives, but there are some times where we open the door to destruction from the enemy or interference from the enemy or just um, even just sowing and reaping. Okay, and sometimes we're allowed to go through these things. Now, he's with us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. But sometimes our soul has to experience some hardship. You catching this? Again, God is not the cause or the author, but God will use all things together for the good uh, to those who love him or are called according to his, his purpose. Are you catching this? Yes. Now, please, I'm trying to be very careful when I present this because inevitably somebody's going to take what, something I say along these lines and you're going to add your own emphasis to that. And please don't do that. Okay? Because what, what we like to do as human beings is when we reap destruction in our lives, we look for ways to justify it. And so somebody might be tempted to say, well, you see, now God's punishing me because of this. And, and, and God, or somebody might be tempted to think, well, I have this sickness or I get hit with this condition or this disease because God's trying to teach me something. No, no, no. God doesn't use sickness and disease to teach us anything. Okay? Are you catching this? However, some of our bad decisions sometimes catch up with us. And we, and we have to endure the full impact of that. Okay? I'll give you an example. I made some very stupid decisions in business years ago. Um, one decision was that I purchased a piece of property that I kind of knew on the inside was not supposed to do that. My wife did not want to sign the papers. Okay? Had I listened to her, we would have avoided a very dangerous Babylonian captivity period in our personal lives. But you know something, what I found is, and this is, I'm not just teaching you from experience because we've seen in the Word, once you realize this, that you made a mistake, and you repent, there's the key, and you repent, God moves in now and picks up those pieces and turns them around and makes a threshold experience out of that so that you learn your lesson and that you'll never go back and do that again. Amen. Are you catching this? Yes. So, so in some people's lives... And, and we got to be discerning with this, very discerning, especially if you're the one that is involved in this. In some people's lives, instead of praying for a breakthrough, we should probably be praying, be praying for a threshold experience in that individual's life. Amen. Are you listening to me? Why? Because we saw breakthroughs in the Word of God. Israel had a great breakthrough when they were released from Egypt. Amen? Amen? What do they do? As soon as the emotions, watch this now. I wish everybody was sitting over here. As soon as, as, soon as the emotions wore off of, we're free. I don't have crazy Pharaoh yes. whipping my back anymore. You listening? Yes. As soon as those emotions wear off, it seems like the power of that breakthrough wears off. Are you catching this? Yes. But a threshold experience usually lasts in a person's life from that point forward. You catching it? All right? So, so the discerning that we need to, to operate in is when do I know when I need a breakthrough and when do I know when they need a threshold? I would say this because you see it in the book of Judges. Again, I'll refer you back to the book of Judges where there was God would rescue them They'd be okay. Their crops would come back. They'd prosper for a little while. And then here we go. Within a 10-year period, they're back in captivity again. And we see it over and over again. Until we get to Gideon's life. And Gideon experiences a threshold. Now, I didn't think I was going to get this far tonight. And kind of like my notes are like sitting here waiting for me, begging for me to come back to that. <laughs> But it's funny, when you teach something over and over again, it sticks with you. It becomes just part of your DNA. And so as soon as you open your mouth, that's what's going to come out. So um, Gideon now has to suffer through and endure through 
a major threshold experience, okay? I'll just throw something at you because we'll be talking more about Gideon. I don't think we're going to get to it tonight, but we'll get to it in the future, probably next week. Gideon has a unique experience. Gideon has not just a breakthrough, but Gideon has got to face, the, he's got to come face to face with the fact he's a coward. Gideon's got to not only come face to face that he's a coward, he's got to come face to face with his family culture, which has become completely indoctrinated with idol worship. Okay? In fact, if you know the Gideon story, if you go read it in Judges, I believe it's chapter 6, um, Gideon, when God instructs him to go and destroy the altars of, of the idol, the idolatrous altars, it's his father that the town comes to because his father was responsible for building some of these things. So his threshold experience is not so much that he needs a breakthrough with God. He's got to have a breakthrough that's going to break the curse that's on his family and this, this, this uh, leaning towards, or I guess the word might be propensity, towards idol worship had entrenched itself in his family. The other thing you see in Gideon's life, and go ahead and read it, please, ahead of time, because we're going to talk about it in detail in the future. The other thing we see in Gideon's life is this curse of victim mentality. Because as soon as the angel of the Lord, which is probably Jesus pre-incarnate, shows up on the scene and challenges him, literally calls him mighty man of valor, Okay, if you know the whole story behind that, I could picture Jesus chuckling a little bit when he called him this because this guy's nothing but a coward. This is not a man of valor. And so he begins to start justifying his cowardice by we're like the, the most miserable out of our tribe and the smallest of the clans and we're the most powerless and you know it's been like this for years. And after all, if God is so real, where are the miracles and how come we're in the shape that we're in? And Jesus is probably going, yeah, I got to put up with this guy. And so... Because uh, eventually, he's going to have all those answers. But it's a threshold experience. Gideon, who comes from the weakest of the tribes or the smallest of the clans, ends up going over this threshold, learning how to trust God, learning how to step out in whatever courage he could muster. The one who's the least now becomes a leader in the nation of Israel. Your threshold experience always changes something very drastically in your life. You never again become the same person. Are you listening to me? You got it? Okay. So what is a breakthrough? A breakthrough is a military movement or an advance beyond an enemy's frontline defense. Now, the enemy of our soul has set up a frontline defense in our lives. He knows exactly what it needs to be in your life and my life. Now, we need to know also so that we know what to do to break through that line of defense. And so it's usually going to involve spiritual warfare, taking, taking authority over spiritual entities that are trying to invade your life, influence your life, control your life, restrict and constrain your life. And so you need to go to the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit show you this is what it is, okay? So that you, in a very militant, remember last weekend's message, in a very militant, very, um, let's just stick with militant, okay? In a very uh, radical way, you punch through that thing and you may, have to, you may have to attack that line of offense a few times before you break through on the other side and you get over that place where it now becomes a threshold experience and you're not going back. Amen? Amen. Is any of this starting to make sense? Yes. Okay. So it's an act or an instance of removing or surpassing an obstruction or restriction. It's the overcoming of a stalemate. Any significant or sudden advance, development, achievement, or increase, as in scientific knowledge or diplomacy that removes a barrier to progress. He's giving you all these natural definitions of what a breakthrough is. So I want to give you, and talk about these next 10 to 15 minutes, the ingredients for a breakthrough. The ingredients 
for a breakthrough? What do you need to have either in you or going on in your life where you're going to punch through this thing that you have come up to and, and it's, you, know, you get so far and it stops you. You get so far and it pushes you back. You get so far and you fall for it again. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. And, then, and then you come up on the other side and go, oh, I can't believe I did this again. I can't believe I fell for this again. I can't believe I let, the, I let the enemy trick me again. I can't believe I got so far and then I froze. We need to break through these things. And I'm telling you why. Here's the motivation. It's not so much, and this is not going to sound good when I first say it, but just stick with me. It's not so much that you get free. It's more for the fact that in your freedom, you then pick up the weapons of warfare to deliver everybody else around you. Are you listening to me? You think about, you think about the situation where you've got a family where there's so much dysfunction. There may be substance abuse. There could be physical abuse. There's certainly going to be mental and, and, and verbal abuse. And then, and then the leader or the head or the most influential person in the family gets born again. What usually happens? All the restraints, all of the negativity, all of the influence of the enemy, all of a sudden begins to shatter step by step by step. Why? Because the influencer got set free. Amen. Are you listening to me? Yes. Do you realize? All right, what I'm going to say now is going to require you to think outside of yourself. I know it's tough for us. Even sometimes especially for Christians because we think the whole kingdom of God exists because of us. To serve us. To prosper me. To make me happy. To make me content. To make me satisfied. The only reason why God does that, it's not that he doesn't love us, he loves us. But you're the only person he has on the earth that's going to be able to reach some people. And as long as you're spinning your wheels in mud, you can't help anybody else. So for God's sake, for the sake of the individuals that are dependent upon you, for the sake of the individuals that you have relationship with on a continual basis, dear God, please do everything you can to break through, get on the other side of the threshold, and stay there. Stop flipping back and forth. Stay there. Why? There are people whose lives are dependent upon what you do with yours. Oh, I don't like this message, Pastor. It puts so much responsibility on me. The life of the Christian is a life of responsibility. Where do we, what, what, what got into the church that we think that this all exists to make us content and happy? It's because we've been chosen by God to carry responsibility. That doesn't mean we, do you notice what Jesus said to the disciples after they got born again? Think about this. Don't, don't let stuff just, just float over your head with no significance. Look at the chronological order. Jesus dies on the cross. His spirit goes into hell or whatever compartment you want to call it at that point. He, he suffers everything that a person who rejects the gospel would suffer. He raises from the dead. The disciples are overwhelmed with wonder and bewilderment. And that same afternoon, he breathes on them and says, what? Receive the Holy Ghost. They get born again. Now they're going to heaven, yes? <laughs> they're going to heaven. Yes or no? Yes. Their sins have been forgiven. They've been cleansed. They're washed. They're clean. And what does he say to them? Don't leave this room until you receive the promise of my Father. And what's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. We say, well, pastor, did he breathe on them? And then they received the Holy Spirit? Oh, they received the Holy Spirit to seal them for salvation, but they did not yet receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower them to walk out of that room. Because just because you're born again doesn't mean that you're going to be useful to the kingdom of God yet. We've seen it many times. Individuals living completely dysfunctional lives. Powerless. Going to heaven. Powerless. Leaving a trail of destruction every place they go. They receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, the addictions go away. They become disciplined. They become stable. They become orderly. Why? Because Jesus said to them, basically, you're born again. You're going to heaven, but you're, no, I don't want to turn you loose yet. 
you don't have yet what it takes for me to be able to use you in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Yes or no? Is that not scripture? Then why do we keep trying to live without that power? We pray for breakthroughs, and God said, I've given you the spirit that will give you breakthrough, but we don't tap into the spirit because, well, I don't know if that's for me. I don't know if that's for today. I don't know if it works. I don't know if it's for anybody. What are we doing? Excuses. Excuses. I am convinced. I am convinced that if a person would seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit to operate on this earth, the majority of their issues, the majority of the dysfunction, the majority of the addictions, the, the majority of the demonic activity would disappear in their lives. Amen. Why? Because they would be tapping into the greater one that's on the inside. And that is why the enemy has made that subject of the baptism of the Holy Spirit one of the most controversial topics in the past century. Because he understands more than anyone the power that is released through an individual who is not just born again, but is carrying the power of the Spirit up on them. And so he's convinced a major, major, major part of the church world to avoid it, to, to explain it away. And truthfully, that is one of the greatest ingredients for the breakthrough. Now, did you get that? I got 10 minutes left, so, so listen. I can't believe how fast the time has gone by. Number one ingredient for breakthrough outside of what I just spoke about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all change begins with desire. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? How desperate? You know, desperate people will do desperate things. 1929, the Great Depression hits. People that did not have the coping skills tossed themselves out of windows. Millionaires were eating out of garbage pails within six months. You listening to me? Desperate people will do desperate things to survive. How desperate? Let me ask you this question. And, and for some of you, you're sitting here and you, you know you have someone that's connected you in your life that should be sitting next to you right now. But for them, you need to learn first. Nothing changes until we change things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Nothing changes until we change things. Okay? My threshold experience was not, not just being born again, but something instinctively told me that I could never miss a church service again. Now, I'm not telling you for the past 35 years, I've never, I've been in church every Wednesday, every Sunday, past 22 years pretty much. But what I'm saying is I knew instinctively my lifeline was not connected to a group of people and not connected to a person on a platform, but my lifeline was connected to the flow of information, anointing, presence of God, my, the, the anointing on my brothers and sisters in the Lord that had grown in the Lord more than I had because I was still a young Christian, I knew that my lifeline was connected to that. So I had to change some things in my personal life. Are you listening? Because nothing changes until we change something, okay? So, so now... There's certain areas, certain places I knew I could not go anymore. There were certain things I knew I could not watch anymore. There were certain things I knew I could not even look in the magazine and at an advertisement anymore because it was a trigger. Are you catching this or are you just sitting here like, I'm, I wish the next 10 minutes would be gone? Okay. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I, I, look, this is going to be tough for the next few weeks, but... I'm promising you this. If you stick with this teaching, it'll be a threshold for you. You listening? Okay. You remember those two guys that caught up with Jesus? Well, Jesus caught up with them on the road to Emmaus. Okay. Their life was going along pretty much as it had been, as it had been. They're talking about 
between themselves, we really thought this was the guy, we really thought this was him, and can't believe what happened, blah, 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 and Jesus shows up and starts walking with them, and what are you guys talking about? Who is this you're talking about? And they say, what are you, like, did you grow up, are you under a rock? Don't you know what's been going on in Jerusalem for the past few days? And he, he you know, kids with them, makes believe that he, he doesn't know what they're talking about. And then when he reveals himself later, what do the two say? Did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke? Right now, watch this now. What happened? How was that a threshold experience? What did they say to Jesus? It's dark. It's dangerous to travel at night. Come and stay with us. He goes in. He stays with them. They sit down to have a meal. He breaks the bread. He shares the cup. And immediately their eyes are open. And they said that statement, did not our hearts burn within us? But watch this now. What do they do? Did you ever notice this? They get up and immediately travel by dark, in the dark, to get back to Jerusalem. Because what they had just experienced was a threshold that eliminated the fear of traveling at night. We see immediate change. Are you kidding? You see what I'm saying? We see immediate change. We don't realize sometimes the changes that take place in our own lives, how we start acting different. Are you catching this? Okay, so we we need this breakthrough experience. But how desperate do you want it? How desperate do you want it? Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus speaking, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who, come on guys, everyone who asks, does what? Receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Stop sitting in your house, constantly rehearsing your your struggles. And start, it'll never change. It's never going to be different. I'm always going to be like this. You're not desperate yet. Now, I don't know if I want to touch this tonight. I might as well throw it out. Maybe we'll talk about it some more. <laughs> I got in trouble last Sunday at the, the second service because for some reason, and I realized later what it was, the Lord had me talking about enablers. Does anybody know what an enabler does? What does an enabler do? Enables. Now, and, and most enablers will complain. They'll, they'll want to punish. They'll want to put this person out of their life and then never does it. What do they do? They make an excuse to allow the person. Come on now. They make an excuse to allow the person to continue this conduct. And so the enabler... Every time that person gets near a threshold, the enabler grabs them by the throat and pulls them back. I've seen some enablers do that because they had no sense of purpose in life if that person got healed and got delivered and got set free. Their whole purpose for living ceased to exist. But, but I love the person. No, you don't love the person because if you love the person, you'd let them walk out the door and cross that threshold. An enabler has to believe God for the courage to allow the other person to suffer some consequences. Oh, I could never do that. I had one person say, oh, I could never throw my kid out of the house. Are you kidding me? I would have thrown him out of the house 10 years ago just for the stuff you're telling me. And I love my kids. Oh, I could never do that. Well, then don't bother me. No more. You know, what are you coming to me for? If you're not going to take the action that needs to be taken, then what do you expect the rest of the world to do? Because you know what? Um, this is going to sound harsh. We don't want to hear the story anymore. Oh, that's mean, Pastor. Oh, that's mean? No, that's truth. If you're not going to take... You, you imagine going to the doctor. I went to a doctor one time. I forget who it was. And I told him straight out, no, I'm not going to do that. But, but you need to do this. No, I'm, not gonna, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> he wanted me to take a specific type of treatment. I said, no, I'm not doing that because everybody I've seen do that, they end up worse. You know what he did? He released me as a patient. Yeah. Now, coming from his viewpoint, I can understand that because if you're not going to do what I tell you, then what do you keep darkening my doorway for? Because <laughs> I could spend my time with somebody who's going to listen to what I have to, yes or no? Yes. You say, oh, oh, no, no, I could never do that. Oh, well, then, then suffer. <laughs> Just keep doing the same thing over and over again, like a crazy person expecting to get different results. Is this too, too much reality tonight? 
Did you want to come here and get petted and soothed tonight? And go home and then suffer from the enabling? And then you're going to call tomorrow morning, ask for counseling, and we're going to go, no, you should have been there last night. Is this too much reality? No. Okay? How bad do you want it? How desperate are you to see either if you get free of something or somebody that's near you get free? How desperate are you? Because sometimes you have to take desperate action. You're going to have to change some things. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, if you ask, you're going to receive. If you seek, you're going to find. If you knock, it's going to be open unto you. But if you don't ask, stop making believe that you are. And if you're not seeking, stop making everybody think that you are. And if you're not knocking, don't complain because the door is shut. Are you listening? Isn't this so easy? When you stick with the principles of the word and, and the gospel of truth, it's so easy. But you see, in our world, our culture wants everything to be foggy. Oh, pastor, it's just not that easy. What's not easy about consequences? Can we learn from God? He told Adam, I created this whole place for you. Don't eat that. Don't eat it. He said, because the day that you eat it, you're going to surely die. You're going to set into motion a mechanism that people for the rest of Life on earth are going to curse your name. What did he do? He ate it. What happened? The curse come, in, come into the earth. God didn't say, okay now, Adam. I'm going to put you in the timeout. And you're not going to Chuck E. Cheese this week. Let's say it together. I love my pastor because he tells me the truth, whether it feels good or not. Do we see what God, God kept his word. Now, God's mercy was there to carry them through the consequence, but they suffered the consequence. Now, look what they set into motion, because I will guarantee you, if we could dissect that marriage, oh, Jesus. Why? You don't produce the first murderer in history by having a normal household. Yes or no? In one generation. Why? I'll guarantee you there was enabling going on. I'll guarantee you one or the other saw those traits in Cain and one or the other said, well, what do you expect? Look at you. And the other one said, well, what do you expect? Look at you. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. If you made more money, we wouldn't be in position we're in. If you were a better parent, maybe if you cooked dinner more. Maybe all the, every excuse throughout human history must have flew back and forth. If you knew how to cook a mastodon better, maybe the kids would want to eat dinner. <laughs> what happens? We get a murderer. So, learn how to cook dinner. Keep your family at the dinner table. We're laughing tonight, but there are truths and principles that when we break them, there are consequences. All right. Uh, let me give you one more and then we'll go. John chapter 5, verse 2. Now, now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. 
When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And so what did he say? Well, you know, every once in a while, an angel shows up and stirs the water, and the first one that gets in gets healed. Okay, but you've been here for 38 years. If you had scratched an inch every week, you would have got there 20 years ago. I'm not trying to make light of this, but we over-spiritualize this story so many times. Because, you know, he said an angel shows up. It doesn't mean that an angel showed up. Now, is it true that he said an angel showed up? Yeah, the Bible records what's true. It doesn't necessarily mean what the guy said was true. In his culture or superstition or whatever, he's blaming this angel that shows up and doesn't wait for him to get to the water. Seriously, why do you think Jesus said to him, do you want to get well, 38 years? 38 years? I could really tell some stories here right now, but I'll get in big trouble. Every year, around the week before Thanksgiving, we start getting phone calls. I have no, no money for toys for Christmas. What do you have, a crystal ball? It's the middle of November. How do you know you're not going to have any money to buy toys? You see what I'm saying? How do you know in, in five weeks from now, you're not going to have money to buy toys? Plus, didn't you know that Christmas was coming? Or did it sneak up on you this year? Because if you would have put five bucks a week away... Now, now listen to me. I'm not, I'm not harsh. Believe me. I'm very mer- mercy-motivated. But I don't like to be taken advantage of either. My responsibility is to protect the money of this congregation that you put in the envelopes every week. Okay? So, so now, now, if a person calls a week before and goes, hey, I just had this medical bill show up or, you know, my husband took off or my wife took off or, you know, I thought this check was coming or something like this. Yeah, do we have mercy? But dear God, you're talking six weeks ahead of time. You're not even giving God a chance to work a miracle. You know, you want it now. So, so we're all supposed to do without because you want it now. You see what I'm saying? Because some of you look at me like, man, this guy's crazy. <laughs> you see, sometimes we become enablers when we don't give people the chance to trust God for a miracle. Wow. Now, could we put the money out? Yeah, of course we can. But what lesson do you, am I teaching them? What am I teaching them? Next year, call earlier. That's what I'm teaching them. Instead of, no, let's wait and see what God can do. Let's pray together and see and trust God for this miracle. You know what usually happens? They hang the phone up. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We have to watch how we become enablers with each other. But especially when somebody is involved in a life-controlling, destructive pattern of addiction. We need to help them get the breakthrough. Amen? Amen. I went seven minutes over. The children's department is probably already complaining. Your teenagers are probably waiting outside. So, if you need prayer for anything, well, first of all, did you learn anything tonight? Did this help? Okay, good. If you need prayer for anything, come on up front. If not, God bless you. Listen, don't miss this weekend because we start that new series. And listen, do you know somebody who would have really profited from this tonight? Just a few of you. If you know somebody in your life that would have really, really, this would have helped them tonight, please contact them and make sure they get here next Wednesday. Amen? God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.